0: What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the oh hey there podcast. I'm Jason Aponte, joined by Leo Luna, the only podcast that does not give a damn about Madden ratings or what they say. How are you, Leo? What's going on with you, buddy? Yeah, say that louder for the people in the back, please. Just explain to me how you are first, and then I'll go into a quick mini rant, and then we'll get to the actual 49ers okay. stuff because okay. there's actual 49ers stuff to talk about.
1: I'm chilling. That, that's basically how I am. You know, I'm in california can't really complain good weather all the time uh a little little reset from baseball here but i'm more interested in this madden
0: conversation i I don't care how i feel let's talk about this madden conversation we're going to talk about this for maybe one minute but let me explain something i see the large portion of the internet year after year complain about the game i'm not buying it it's the same game this game is broken but yet these madden ratings have you in a tizzy If you don't care about the game, won't buy it, then don't care about the ratings because I sure as hell don't. That's the end of my rent.
1: Well, I haven't played Madden in a couple years now myself, partially because I got tired of, you know, middle linebackers jumping up 10 feet with a one-handed interception. When the hell do you see that in the NFL game? Never happened. So I kind of got over the game at that point. Um, And it's just, I had a conversation with this about, with coach yak on twitter and just something he just commented on it stuck out to me once madden ratings translate to the field then i'll care but if madden ratings don't translate to the field i don't give a damn
0: rant over it's a freaking video game let someone else publish the games let's give someone else a chance i think ea's had it for long enough This country's not built on monopolies, but we're done with the Madden talk. You know what we're here to talk about? Seven days, the 49ers rookies and vets report to training camp. Leo, we did it. You know how I feel going out of this offseason into training camp? I feel like, and Rob's going to love this, I feel like Kramer, when he is about to do the run, but he stayed up all night playing poker. And the uh, I believe it's the kids from karate beat him up or something like that. And he's just like, his clothes are tattered. He's literally like fumbling around and he just falls flat right there in front of the finish line. That's how I feel because for some reason, even with the Mac Jones drama last year, this was the longest offseason in the history of off seasons. What do you think, Leo?
1: Yeah, it's got to be this year because last year it's kind of like, with the Mac Jones talk, we, we figured it wasn't going to happen, even though they try to, you know, create that narrative after the 49ers selected Trey Lance, like it didn't really hold any weight. Um, this one's a little longer because you know, this team's moving forward with Trey Lance and it's kind of coming down to the wire now of is should Jimmy Garoppolo still a 49er employee. He is still here. Um, technically he has to report in seven days technically um and i would find it odd if the team just waived his penalties for not showing up or anything like that and said you know what it's fine keep doing rehabbing and then expect Debo samuel to show up mid trade request um so that's where it gets weird for me so yeah this is definitely definitely going to be the longest because until jimmy garoppolo gets traded we're going to have this this issue of Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo gives the 49ers the best chance to win. Look at his win-loss record. Like shut up. Come on. We're talking about Brian Hoyer, CJ Bather, Nick Mullins. Um so technically Kyle Shanian is not under 500 with Trey Lance if we want to go there. Uh but those are two starts so I don't really carry any weight to it. Uh but it's yeah, it's got to be this offseason for sure because of the whole Jimmy Garoppolo gives them the best chance to win after we just saw him go on a complete meltdown in the fourth quarter like in the nfc championship game like he did the super bowl
0: what would be the percentage that you would say that the 49ers would excuse jimmy garoppolo from training camp just so they don't have this awkward situation also there is the little elephant in the room about if jimmy garoppolo goes out there in training camp and tears something you're on the hook for his entire contract if it's season ending
1: right um i'm gonna give it. Greater than a 50% shot. I'm so I'm just in a price of right and say fifty-one percent. I think it's a fifty-one percent chance that Jimmy Garoppolo gets excused by this team. One, because they're literally trying to do everything to move him, they're allowing him and his team to have contract negotiations to, you know, maybe take less money to go to a new team, things like that, work a new deal. Um, they're they're literally trying to use every avenue as possible. Uh, but I'm going to say 51%. It would have been higher in a different offseason, honestly. But like I said, when you have that Debo Samuel trade request out there and you're not going to excuse him, I think that would be kind of a bad look by the team if you excuse Jimmy Garoppolo, just because it fits your narrative, it fits your purpose. But yet, Debo Samuel doesn't fit your purpose, so you're not going to excuse it. It's kind of like being a parent you know, it's you tell the kids to not eat in the living room, they got to eat at the at the kitchen table yet I'm eating in the living room and and they're watching me do it. So it's like, you got to set the example there if you're the 49ers and maybe a different off season, you can, but it's just going to be really awkward. Either way you excuse Jimmy Garoppolo. Now it's awkward for the Debo Samuel situation. You don't excuse Jimmy Garoppolo. Now it's awkward for the Trey Lance situation. So it's just, they're in a lose, lose, lose situation until they move him.
0: And I think that the only way that I would, I guess, justify it in my mind is one guy is actually going to be here for a long time. The other guy, the writing's been on the wall and he's already said his goodbye. So why bring him in? So let's transition from that to Trey Lance. I wanted to save it for last, but this seems like a good segue into it. Fred Warner was on the Rich Eisen show and had some more glowing things to say about Trey. Seems like every 49ers player that's out there is speaking about Trey Lance, not a word about Jimmy Garoppolo, because they seem like they have the good sense of who they know they're going with. Fred Warner says something to the effect of uh, he's absolutely ready. We And Robbie Gold um also said, on, I believe it was on the 49ers talk pod with uh, Matt Miyoko, that he looks like a leader. He's leading very well. What would you say to all of the compliments that are not only coming from, you know, Robbie Gold is the kicker, but... Fred Warner is a captain, George Kittle is a captain, Trent Williams is a captain. Those guys have said a lot of good things about Trey Lance at various points in this offseason. What does this tell you with all of these things that they're saying?
1: It tells me if you're listening to the national media saying that Jimmy Garoppolo gives them the best chance to win, that Jimmy Garoppolo should be on the 49ers, that's the best case for Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're listening to those people, those comments by these current players, should erase any thought of jimmy grabo being a starter on this team because there's a way you can hype up trey lance and kind of just you know support your teammate without mentioning he's ready he's going to be the guy he's looking like a leader things like that so it's just um it's it signifies trey it's trey lance's team obviously they're not going to say anything bad about trey lance in the offseason oh well you know He's ready, but he needs to work on this. You know, they're not going to say that. So um, I would say don't ex- don't think that they're trying to call him Superman or the next great or anything. Like, of course, they're going to support their guy. But it's just certain comments and words that tells me Trey Lance is starting for this team. So if you had any doubt, which I personally don't, it should erase it all. Here's the
0: funny part for me. George Kittle, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, they come out and say, we ride with Jimmy and we love that. And that faction of people, you see, you see what they're saying about Jimmy? And many of us say, what are they supposed to say? And then on the other side, all of these nice things are being said about Trey Lance and those other Jimmy people are saying, well, what are they supposed to say? You can't have it both ways, guys. True teammates are not going to trash their leader, their quarterback in, in the public But it's a little bit of switching sides and a little bit of twisting the narrative the way that you want, out loud what we were talking about last episode. I just found that to be funny. But I see a lot of people talking about it. and, And in my mind, it does feel good to have all of these things said about Trey, right? And I think it signifies that the team is ready to move in the right direction with them. A lot of people want public statements. They want people to say things out loud. Well, they have been, if you've been paying attention. Listen to the various times George Kittle spoken on different podcasts, um, you know, Trent Williams at press conferences, Fred Warner on, on Rich Eisen. So it it's it's just funny to me how when it's said about Jimmy Garoppolo, it's well, look at this team, they ride for him. But then when it's said about Trey Lance, and this is only a, a minor section of fans, right? That when it's said about Trey Lance, they'll say, Well, what are they supposed to say? When we say about what they say about Jimmy, what are they supposed to say? It's just another, another twist in this wild and confusing offseason but let's get to training camp a little bit leo seven days the team reports ten days uh seven days eight days sorry math is hard eight days from the first training camp practice leo what's what's one thing that you're looking forward to and we have a few one thing you're looking forward to in terms of camp battles or things that you want to see
1: i think kind of the biggest thing i'm looking forward to is is gonna be who's gonna be the starting center for the 49ers. I, I have my idea in Jake Brendel, but is somebody else going to step up? Is Donovan West gonna step up and and make this team and and push Jake Brendel to even be a starter um, on this offensive line? And the reason why, like, it's not the sexiest position in the world to go ahead and we have other positions that we're gonna talk about here, position battles. But the reason why I'm mentioning center first is because it kind of goes hand in hand with the quarterback position. It goes hand in hand with the offensive line and the assignments with the other inside guards. Um, It's one of the most important positions in a Kyle Shanahan offense mentally. Uh, So that's why I'm saying center here is just what's going to happen there. Like who else is going to battle? Please, God, don't put Daniel Brunskill at center and, and take away reps from right guard. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, I think Daniel Brunskill is a fine right guard. He needs to improve, obviously, because he's only had one year as a starter at right guard. So please don't move him to center. Um, I want to see Jake Brando. I want to see Donovan West. Um, Anyone else I'm missing that you want to see at that center position?
0: No, I, I mean, Jason Paul, somebody that could certainly be there, but I really do believe that Jake Brendel is already the leader in the clubhouse. When you look at OTAs and the way he was out there with the first team, a lot of people forget that a lot of the rapport that he has with Lance was based on being a backup last year. And then when you think about the Chris Forrester connection, uh, who was the offensive coordinator in Miami while he was there, seems like Brendel has a leg up. And then you listen to the way that they've talked about him. I don't really think that they're going to fiddle around with Brunskill being over their center. You know, I've, I've been on record saying that what you've gotten – from Daniel Brunskill for what you, what you gave up or, or how you got him from the USFL, I feel like is a great value. And I think that a lot of people just hold up his play to first round picks. And I think that's the wrong way to evaluate him. I think continuity is big with him and Mike McGlitchie. And, and that's where I'm going to go with this next. But I think it's Jake Brendel at this point that has a leg up. And it seems like they're going to give him every single opportunity to make it happen. The interesting point that I want to make, Leo, is this. The center position is vital in the, in the Shanahan offense. Weston Richburg was handpicked by Kyle Shanahan. The offense ran the ball very well with Weston Richburg, unfortunately. Career-ending injury. Ben Garland filled in admirably that season in 2019. But then you have Hornets Grasso and then, you know, Brunskill for a little while there in 2020. And then you see how, things, how bad things can get when there's not sufficient um, sufficient center play. Alex Mack comes in last year and plays very well, especially down the stretch. The 49ers are really looking for their permanent center. And is that Jake Brendel? Is that Donovan West? Is that Jason Poe? Those are the things that we're, we're going to find out pretty soon. And I think that, you know, once the, the center position is locked in, a lot of the offensive line falls into place from there. So I, I would say that the Jake Brendel thing, he's hes the leader in the clubhouse right now. All of those things, I mean, you hear what they're talking. You know, when Kyle Shanahan says something nice about you, that's when you need to take notice. How often does coach really praise guys outwardly like that in press conferences? That was my first tip-off that they're going to give every shot to Jake Brendel. But I did want to turn to uh, Mike McGlinchey really quick because there's a lot of discussion about his play last year and his his replacement, who is Leo's favorite player on the team. Um, Tom Compton. So, look, PFF is great when it fits our narrative. Hashtag fits my narrative, right? When you rate a player very high that you're high on, look, they got it right. When you negatively rate a player, well, PFF doesn't know what they're talking about. Okay, so what does that mean? Tom Compton was the highest graded right tackle in run blocking. That is something that's vital and something that Mike McGlinchey is actually really good at, and what he was brought here for. Now, the discrepancy comes within the pass blocking. And I think that there's a large narrative about Mike McGlinchey that I feel is a bit unfair and is a bit overstated. And what I mean by that is um what I pulled up was the snaps that they had which were pass blocking. Pass blocking reps are are things that aren't aren't spikes, they aren't um kneel downs anything like that. These are these are true pass blocking reps, okay? Mike McGlinchey last year had 256 allowed pressure opportunities. So those are pass blocking reps. 2 sacks allowed three quarterback hits, eight hurries, and 13 pressures allowed. Tom Compton had 113 more pass-blocking snaps. Obviously, he played more, right? And when you play more, you'll have opportunities to have your numbers go up because, you know, more opportunities to to fail, I guess, is the best way to put it. But he tripled Mike McGlinchey's sacks allowed with 113 extra pass-blocking reps. The same amount of quarterback hits, 10 more hurries, and 14 more pressures. The way that you should be breaking it down is this Mike McGlinchey allowed a sack every 128 reps. Let's say the 49ers ran the football 30 times, I mean, 30 times a game, right? And there's 50 snaps. They threw the ball 25 times. So 25 times, that's basically four games is 100. Five games is 125, if you want to break it down like that. That's the split I think they'd like to go for. He allowed one sack every 128 reps. That's almost once every five games. A little bit overstated, if you ask me. And then Tom Compton allowed one sack every 61 and a half reps. That is at least one every two games at this point. Leo, am I off here, or is Mike McGlinchey a little bit over overly criticized?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely done my criticism of Mike McGlinchey. Uh, and then people go, Oh, like Tom Compton's not as good as the Pro McGlinchy people. I'm like, yo, I know Tompkins, uh, Tom Compton is not, you know, good. Is not is not Mike McGlinchy level of player, and I think that's where a lot of fans get confused is because you saw Tom Compton go in there and the offense provide, you know, good running nut- metrics, good good passing metrics at times, and yet the playoffs come around and you saw what happened with Tom Compton there It wasn't good and I think it's okay to give Mike McGlinchey his flowers when they're due like it's not he's not an easy guy to replace he's not um that's why I thought if you were going to try and replace him it's got to be within the first two rounds of the draft anything anything after the first two rounds you're kind of just you know going going you know shooting darts blindly and and just hoping you hit it in the bullseye, um, that's kind of what you would be doing if you're trying to replace Michael He He's definitely a valuable starter to this team, and he does deserve more respect from, you know, individuals like myself.
0: And that's that's kind of where I was going with it, because I've seen it. It's overblown. Well, look at what Compton did. You can replace him with anyone, not anyone. And let's just give credit to Kyle Shanahan for being able to play to Tom Compton's strengths and kind of fool everybody. I mean, he got Tom Compton another contract. He's over there in Denver now. Who would have seen that coming when Tom Compton was on the fringe of leaving the NFL? So I just think that it's a little bit overstated. But here's the point about Mike McGlinchey aside from that. The injury. How does he bounce back? I think he's going to be at training camp. When I spoke with Dr. Narav Pandaya of uh, 95.7 The Game, he talked about him hitting all the landmarks. He expects him to be at training camp. He expects him to be a week one, but he doesn't expect him to be 100%. And I think that's a little bit more of the worry than Mike McGlinchy being there. And what he said, and I'm paraphrasing, was at right tackle, what he'll be able to do well is pass block because he'll be able to anchor with that injury. It was a very serious injury. What he said would take a dip is run blocking and that he wouldn't be 100% until the next year, which puts the 49ers in a bit of a quandary, conundrum. I'm trying to use big words. <laughs> with What do you do? What do you do with Mike McGlinchey on his fifth-year option? Because you're gonna to have to make a decision with him going forward, and how much of how much does his play this season put them in that bind? So I think that Mike McGlinchey is something that I'm gonna be looking forward to, and 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 trying to see at training camp. Aside from the other question marks, you know, you talked about Jake Brendel. It's gonna be Aaron Banks' first time, we think, playing left guard. So the offensive line is something that is gonna be something that I'm definitely gonna be watching for while I'm at training camp. All right. Leo, give me somewhere else that you believe that is something very important we should all be watching for on in, in training camp. I'm sorry.
1: I know you're going to be looking at this position quite a bit because you have ideas with it. And that's a nickel corner position. Um, we've kind of been fortunate to have K1 Williams there, also known as KK, at the nickel corner spot for the past three to four years um fortunate because like he's probably a top five nickel corner in the game um and now we're looking at a position to where it it, to me it's a starter first off i want to say that it's a starting position they're on the field for about 70 percent of the game uh so you're i'm looking at Darquise denard former first round pick of the cincinnati Bengals. i came on with the team late last season um rookie sam womack um Dante Johnson the the forever 49er and Jason Brett making a comeback I it's gonna I'm gonna add him in there because I could definitely see reps with him at nickel corner spot here in training camp um what are you thinking about this spot here
0: well I think that Tariq Castro Fields also should be tossed into that as well just to see I think that he'll get his shots one might not be with the first team uh the only thing I'll disagree with here Leo is if Jason Verrett is healthy and ready to go, he's a boundary corner because of the injury concerns. You don't want to put him in a nickel and have him have to play run defense because a lot of people forget that. Yes, you have to cover you have to cover slot corners, but you have to know your run fits. You have to get in there and and get dirty in the run game. I think that's what Kwan did so well. So I I feel that the 49ers best cornerback from last season would be much more suited to play slot corner since he has those reps there. So in a perfect world, this would be my scenario. Perfect world. Jason Verrett starting on one side, Charvarius Ward starting on the other and Emmanuel Mosley kicked inside. And I think that those three, if Jason Verrett is Jason Verrett, I think, I think we know what Ward is. And if Emmanuel Mosley can just be the guy that we think he is and the guy he was last year in terms of coverage, I think that's as formidable as it gets. And I've been on record saying that this cornerback room, if Jason Verrett is in there, is probably the best cornerback room the 49ers have had since the 90s, if all of these guys play well. And and certainly, and certainly the best in the Shanahan Lynch era. No disrespect oh, to Uncle Sherman. No disrespect to Uncle Sherman at all. But again, we, we know that Uncle Sherman had to play a little bit more cover three. They had to play more zone. This flexibility that Charveris Ward and Jason Verrett can give them to play straight up man and not have to worry about them getting burnt on the top while having their best cornerback kick inside. I mean, it, it just it it gives D'Amico Ryans all of these things that he can play around with. And he was so good, especially down the stretch last year in terms of what he was calling. So nickel corner is going to be something that I'm definitely looking forward to. Um Darquise Denard sounds like he has the leg up while we don't under while we don't know just yet what's going on with Jason Verrett. We heard Kyle Shanahan after OTA say. He's very hopeful and the team is rooting for him. I, they love Jason Verrett in that building. Jason Verrett loves being there, so they're going to give him every, every opportunity to get back. It's just how quickly will he be back. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good call, Leo. Nickel Corner is a big spot to keep an eye on in training camp. So I want to
1: propose something to you. Okay. Would it be helpful to say, instead of kicking Jason Verrett in at Nickel Corner, and instead of him being on the field 100 of the snaps to try to you know prolong his health throughout the whole season do you think there's any type of possibility if they choose to go your route and say you know what we're gonna have e-man start once we go to nickel we're gonna have e-man kick in and bring out jason red to play the boundary do you think there's any slight possibility of that or it's like JV's playing the boundary he's playing the boundary we're not going to have him off in in two cornerback
0: situations see that's a that's there's a possibility there's a possibility for everything and like you said this offseason who knows what the heck is going on anyway but my concern would be rhythm right especially a corner getting on the field staying on the field and knowing that so how much do they value that i'm not certain for me i wouldn't i wouldn't like that it's not ideal but If they can make it work, that makes a lot of sense as well, too. So, I mean, I think it's a possibility. I don't think it's a strong one. And it's not something that I'm necessarily jumping at. But I do think there is something to trying to keep Jason Verrett healthy and prolong his season. Because even if it's something where you try this in the beginning of the season but down the stretch when you need big games and, 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 you know, God willing, the 49ers are in the playoffs, Jason Verrett becomes this guy that he's backed up 100% health and he's locking down wide receivers and, and the the flexibility comes in, then I'm not uh, adverse to that at, at all.
1: Okay. Um. And then quickly on 49ers fifth round pick, Samuel Womack out of Toledo. He said this after being selected, I'm a lockdown press corner in your face. Also good off coverage. They run similar defense to what I ran in college. What if you had to give a percentage scale on the possibility of him, you know, overlapping Darkees Denard, because as you said, I think we all predict that he's the favorite right now. Um, If Womack had to frog um, leap Darkees
0: Denard, what percentage would you put on that? I put 45 to 50. His athletic profile is literally K1 Williams. So in the same way that, cover your ears, 49ers fans. Wait, don't. You actually have to hear this. In the same way that when they replaced DeForest Buckner, they took someone who was in that position they felt that they knew K-1 was going to leave, so they got someone who has a similar athletic profile when it comes to that. And the 49ers have a tendency to do that at times. So I would say that it's better than most, but we know Kyle Shanahan. Does Kyle Shanahan trust a rookie over what he knows? Look how long it took him to get Ambry Thomas on the field. And that was more out of necessity, I feel, than just saying, hey, the kid was ready, right? The Amidoula North started early in the season. That ended pretty quickly. And it only takes one or two plays for you for Kyle Shanahan to not trust you anymore. So I think that's where it's going to come in. Does Darquise Denard get the, the nod because he's the veteran a la Josh Norman and things like that? Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up either. Or <laughs> do they just go with the guy who is more athletic? Maybe he'll make a mistake or two, but the ceiling is much higher, I think, with Womack than it is with Denard. And I think nobody would disagree with that.
1: Yeah, and uh, last season, Womack allowed only eight receptions on 21 21- Uh, pass attempts in man coverage, which is only a 38% completion percentage. I don't care if he was at Toledo. That's impressive.
0: Yeah. And I think when you watch him on tape, you see a guy who's physical like that, can, can play well in the run. I think that he just needs to improve on tackling, but he's great in run support. All that stuff can be worked on. So, yeah, I definitely see the vision when it comes to that. Let's switch gears real quick in training camp to the one spot in the secondary that feels like it's not necessarily a question mark. We have a we have a, a a leader in the clubhouse at this point. I think the question mark comes in with what will a long season be with strong safety? And I'm talking about Talanoa Hufanga, who is probably right now the leader in the clubhouse. A lot of people like how aggressive he plays. And with the departure of Joukowsky Tart to Philadelphia, looks like he's going to get his shot right away as he took over in OTAs right away. Leo, some thoughts on the strong safety position and what do you think will happen?
1: Okay. Um, First off, I like Talanohu Funga. I think he could be a really good player in this league. Um, I'm not too high on him playing the single high safety, uh, which we saw a few times last season. And we've seen big plays being given up when he was up at single high. Um, So I would like to see less of that. Maybe if there's less of that, there's more opportunity for Jimmy Ward to make a play. Um, since people want to complain about his turnovers um, or lack of there. Uh, but w- with Talonohu Funga, I, the reason why I'm kind of just like saying slow your roll and, and pressing on the brakes a little bit, bleeding the brakes rather than just going full throttle on the gas pedal, it's because we've seen this before. We, we, we've seen it uh, w- with Colbert at, at safety, where we're all, all hyped coming off of his rookie year, you know what? We have that position figured out with Col- Adrian Colbert. He's gonna come in, he's gonna he's a starter, he's ready to go. Um but as we all know, that ended up not being the situation after a few weeks, um, where he was bench afterwards. Um, and then the other time where we try to replace Tart was with um Tarvarius Moore. And we were all on the Tarvarius Moore train. This guy's running a 4-3. He's big. He's got an interception on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl the previous year. He's ready to go now. He's ready to go and play that safety role. No, he ended up giving it about seven touchdowns and like what was that? Like nine starts or something like that. Um, a lot of big plays made. Um so with Noah Hufunga, I'm not saying that same thing's going to happen. I'm just going to wait until I kind of predict his future because, you know, recent history tells me to slow the hell down and let this guy play, let this guy, you know, produce. And if he's not playing single high safety and he's more slower, you know, like a, like a box safety, a Jamal Adams type role, I think he could be really effective. And I think he'd be really good in this defense and don't get me wrong i don't think it's necessarily a, a knock or a negative to call a safety a box safety i don't i don't agree with that with that narrative because it is very difficult we've seen linebacker or excuse me safeties try to tra- transition into uh linebackers to make them more you know box safety give them more speed things like that and they can't do it they can't do it so if you are a safety that can play in the box hats off to you not everyone can do it um, so, I think that would be a huge advantage for the 49ers. I think he's really good around the line of scrimmage. I think he has a knack for finding the ball when he's around closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, but if, if they, you know, they obviously are going to give him some high safety opportunities. And I just hope that he can achieve off it. But I will also say, I do believe Talonowo Hufanga is a starter out of camp, but I'm very intrigued on how George Odom, you know, pushes him. Because I don't think he's just someone that, you know, oh, he's a special team signing. No, I think he was a special team signing with an opportunity to compete to be the starting safety. So I'm very intrigued on how he pushes him. Odom started a a few games last season with the Colts, and he was effective in those starts with the Colts. So I'm kind of intrigued on this one.
0: This seems to be a hot button topic all over the place, especially on Twitter, because when you say that you're either concerned or you have questions well, you're just hating, stop hating on that. Well, you haven't seen Aaron banks play and we have the same concerns, but that's not hating all of a sudden when it's too it's hating. That's the thing is the concerns come in with coverage clearly because he does play closer to the line and he's better. And he plays with a lot of aggression, all that heart, all that stuff matters. Trust me. The thing is athletically, if he takes a misstep and we saw it in the Arizona game where you take one step, now Christian Kirk's behind you, you take one step the wrong way uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, DeMar Chase is open in the end zone. You take one wrong step against the Minnesota Vikings. Well, Adam Thielen scores a touchdown because you drifted too far out of the way. So it's not necessarily hating as much as it is concerns, but when you have concerns about Aaron Banks, when you have concerns about Jake Brendel, none of that is met with as much pushback as it is with Hufanga. Here's the, the positives though. I believe that D'Amico Ryans will know how to deploy him. Jimmy Ward is going to clean up m- m- any mistakes on his back end. That, I think, is something that is really going to help him out. And another thing is players can develop. Here's the thing. When you're not athletically as gifted, that doesn't mean that you can't play instinctually. So what's going to have to happen with Hufanga for him to be reliable and not be a liability in any way is for him to play with better instinct, understand what they're trying to do to him, understand how they're going to attack him, and that can happen. There's plenty of guys who run like you said to various more four-four-four-three, and those guys can't cover a, a bed. The thing is, if you play with instincts, Troy Palomalu, I dislike that that whole you know comparison because you're setting that kid up for failure Troy Palomalu is one of one for you to say he's going to play like Palomalu, that's disrespectful to Palomalu and also disrespectful to Hufanga because that's a lot to live up to but if you play with instinct you understand you get smarter between the ears you understand what deep, deep offenses are trying to do to you you know your role on defense you play your, your position that's another thing that jumped out on tape a little bit is he's so eager to blitz you're not on assignment against the Rams in the in the first Monday night football game of the season. You, you're blitzing on the first play of the game, but you were the one that was supposed to drop in the coverage, and Kaywon Williams was the one that was supposed to blitz. And if Matthew Stafford looks left, it's a 45-yard gain. So again, nobody notices that because it didn't happen that way, but those are the little things that he has to clean up. There's totally a world where he can play well because he plays well instinctually. He plays with a head of aggression, that type of thing. He needs to play with more instinct, not think as much, and not get caught out there in no man's land. But I do think that it is going to be Hufanga going forward. A lot of what Jimmy Ward's going to be there doing is going to help. And a lot of what D'Amico Ryans is going to do to put him in positions to win is going to help as well, too. It's going to be intriguing to see how Tararius Moore, Odom, those guys uh, compete in training camp. But well, Hufanga is going to get every single chance to take this role on. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out.
1: Absolutely. And like I said, it's just, you know, I don't want more so of saying trying to critique this guy. I just don't want to get my hopes up because we've seen it with with uh, the past two safeties that try to step in before. And I just hope Hufanga could break that trend because it seems like the only ones who can play safety previously for multiple games and be a starter for the 49ers i've been tart and jimmy ward for about since 1980 so we'll see i'm just kidding there obviously since 1980
0: (laughs) all right so obviously we're gonna have eyes on trey lance i think we kind of covered that as well too um it feels like he's gonna be the guy taking all the first team reps and everything i have an honorable mention of something that i'm gonna keep an eye on something that i it's it's really because i I planted my flag in the sand in terms of a, a big prediction and the, and camp hasn't even started yet, so I'm getting ahead of myself. But I really do believe this is the development of Brendan Ayuk. Because I, and I'll say it on here again, and you guys can cut it and keep it. And when it doesn't happen, you can roast me and old takes expose me. But I do think that Brendan Ayuk leads this team in every receiving category, catches yards and touchdowns this season. Now, look, that doesn't mean that Debo, Se- Debo Samuel is going to have a bad season. It doesn't mean that George Kittle is going to have a bad season. I think that the rapport that you see with Trey in the two games that he had with Brandon Ayuk with what they're working on and how they're how they're building that still working out all the time. It's just going to come to fruition more. It seems like their play styles fit a little bit more. What the 49ers aren't going to do is throw the ball more. But what they are going to do is throw the ball more downfield. I would actually suspect that the pass attempts decrease at this point. It actually would decrease, in my opinion. But the amount of passes down the field are going to change. And that suits Brandon Ayuk more. So I see this being the year that we thought Brandon Ayuk was going to have coming off of his rookie campaign. That's my honorable mention when it comes to that, Leo.
1: Brandon Ayuk, huh? I love it. I love it because I, I've said it before. When we look at his, you know, draft class, we look at the CD Lamb. Obviously, the one on top of that is is um Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. So it's just like Brandon, are seems like he's on a third tier for, for his draft class. And, you know, that's not really a spot you want to be when you are also a first round pick and other guys have more receiving yards with you. That's fine. I don't really care because that just, that depends on opportunity. That depends on targets that, you know, et cetera. But I would, like to see a jump from brandon are you because he's out on social media saying deep ball me deep ball me you know what i mean so it's like all right well this is your time dude like you want the ball you calling you yourself and debo the best one two wide receiver in the game i love the confidence but then show it to me but then show you know not just me show it to the nfl show it to you know your peers show it to the locker room not just me because i'm irrelevant to you to you know obviously your production i'm pretty irrelevant um, but it's just like show it to me, and same thing with Trey Lance. It's just, uh, I want to see that chemistry start from the jump in, in training camp. That's something I would like to see. You know, tweets going crazy. Oh my god, Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, they did this, they did that. Maybe it makes Debo Samuel want to get out there a little sooner. Um, I doubt it, but um, that's just something I like to see going forward. It's just anytime you could have two threats at the receiving position sign me up but Jay do I think he's going to lead the team in receiving yards hell no I think that's still Debo Samuel
0: I think it's Traylon. I think it's uh, Brandon Ayuk, and we'll come back to this um, I'm gonna stay so up. if
1: you're in a fantasy football league with Jason do not let him draft Brandon iyuk
0: because he'll that's, wait and he'll take that's off. that's good because it's funny The year before, I was at, uh, you know, we we heard the noise out of training camp and everything, and I was on Ayuk and not Samuel. Ayuk was the one who wound up popping off that year, but obviously Debo got injured. Last year, I went to camp and I clearly saw that Debo Samuel was the best receiver on the field, and I flipped that. So Ayuk went ahead of Debo this year. I am gonna stay away from drafting Debo Samuel because the price is too rich. Give me. The guy that everybody's sleeping on in this offense, which is Brandon Ayuk. So, yes, if I am in your redraft fantasy league, I will have Brandon Ayuk on my team at a fraction of the cost that it will for Debo Samuel for all the reasons that I talked about. Thanks for giving away my strategy. (laughs) And we
1: need to get in the league together. Maybe we do a yeah, maybe we need to do a Niners Nation fantasy league.
0: Listener League, I love it, man. I mean, I, I'm already in 36. Let's just add on another one. I have no problem with that, Leo, at this point. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for this episode of Oh Hey There, Man. Uh, look, we are seven days away from reporting, eight days away from patch popping training camp. We I will be there for five days for five practices we will do live right after practices things like that the content is going to be insane make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your audio podcast and make sure that you drop those five star reviews which we will read on here if you want to drop a five star review and says jason's voice is annoying as hell i'll read that that's what we do for you guys if you're going to do a five star review leo anything that you want to say before we get out here
1: nah man just follow me and jason on twitter you already know where to find us um jason aponte 2103 uh at leoluna 93 uh you could also find me on instagram at that same handle and you can find jason on instagram at j aponte 2103 i love
0: it instagram twitter we got you guys covered the content is going to be coming thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you soon